Hey everyone, welcome to My Ship Story. Eric here with Brad, and today we're going to have a welcome aboard story from Scott. His venture into how he got a job on, on cruise lines, and, um, and quite the adventure that was. So, Scott, it's all yours. Take it away. Oh my gosh. I, I may need five or six Long Island teas for this. Uh, hey guys, uh, well, breakfast? so, huh? So breakfast? <laughs> breakfast, yes. My breakfast, I guess, would be a Bloody Mary and followed by a Long Island tea and then, you know, some rum punch uh, later for, on, the, on, the boo- on the booze cruise. This is my story of how I became to work on cruise ships. Just a tad bit before that, I actually was teaching ballroom dancing um, out of uh, a ballroom dance studio in Oklahoma for a few years. My mom and aunt and uncle used to go on a cruise, and typical, you know, parent was like, "Oh, you should get a job on a cruise ship." And me, you know, I'm I think I'm 20 at the 21 at the time, something like that. And uh, I was like, "They're not going to hire me. That's just, you know, whatever." So unbeknownst to me, sometime, I guess this would be November of 91, my mom went to the library, checked out a book on how to get a job in a cruise ship or in the hotel industry, found a sample application in it, photocopied it, filled it out, and sent it to, I don't know, every cruise line and hotel, whatever. So Wait a second. Your mom did all that? Yeah, I had it no leads me idea. To believe that she wanted you the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> I I I get that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, please, how do I get him out of my house? Um, yeah, yeah, man. I had no idea. Fast forward about four months later, March of nineteen ninety two, I was working at a Thursday night ballroom uh, dance party. And this is like 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock p.m., and I get this call from this guy. Hey, we want you to work on a cruise ship. It's the world's largest ship. It's a brand-new ship. We want you to be a ballroom dancer, yada, yada, yada. And I thought it was somebody yanking my chain. Like, you know, I thought somebody's punking me. So I was like, yeah, okay, uh-huh. click. I hung up on the guy. And so I go back out to the floor. He calls me back, and, uh, and they're like, hey, he's on the phone again. I'm like, hey. And then – he told me, you know, a little bit more, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is serious. What do I do? Eh, sure, okay, it yeah. sounds fun. Uh, and actually, uh, one of the owner's sons used to work for Royal Caribbean, and so he was super excited jumping up and down in the background and and telling me all this stuff, you know, what you know what it was going to be like and how much fun it was and all this kind of stuff. And um, uh, so I was, I was basically like, yeah, okay, sure, great. Um, when, and, you know, remember this was Thursday night and he's like, uh, yeah, we need you and, uh, to fly out, um, Saturday. And I'm like, Saturday, what month? And he said like day after tomorrow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so agreed and hung up the phone Freaked out for the rest of the night. Didn't know, have any idea what was going on. I called my mom, and she, of course, started screaming and yelling on the phone. And that's when she told me that she did that, you know, months and months ago, four, five, six months ago. So the next day, all day Friday, literally, like I, I've not gone anywhere, like Dallas, 
for a road trip or something. So I had to buy luggage, bathing suits. I've never left Oklahoma besides uh, the Texas. That's it? That's it. Really? Yeah. Uh, wow. So the next day, Friday, I, I had to buy everything, clothes, flip-flops, bathing suits. Everything was still in the packages, still had the price tags on them, shoved them in my bag, and the <laughs> next day I was gone. And so this is where the fiasco starts. I, I, uh, of course, this is Saturday, and the home office is closed at that time. By the time I get in, so I mosey around Sunday, and you know, I checked in a couple of messages. And Monday, they said, uh, "All right, come here with your passport. We need to get all your stuff processed. You need to go to the Siemens Center for, you know, all your, I don't know, shots, paperwork, all that kind of stuff." And I thought, "Okay, great, yeah, but I don't have a passport." He said he would take care of it for me. And uh, the guy cussed me out on the phone and couldn't believe I didn't have a passport. I'm like, "This guy told me he was going to take care of it." So I just, you know, went, got the ticket, and I'm and I'm here. <laughs> and uh, and, you know, like I think I had probably $250. The flight was supposed to leave the next day. So that was a lot more money than I had when I joined the ships. I was lucky if I had like $10 in my wallet when I joined. Oh, well, let me tell you, th things are, are about to go south. So the next day I was supposed to like – and I think you said you had to have emergency-issued passport, right? So they said get up tomorrow, yeah. go get emergency passport. I thought, yeah, no problem. He didn't really say when. I got up around, I don't know, one or two after wandering around Bayside and Miami and all that stuff all night long. Uh, so I get up one or two, and I kind of mosey over to the government office. And, of course, it's close. Actually, at this point, the line was so long, it was hours before I got in. So I screwed that day. The next day, I called, and he was mad, said, get up and do it the next day. I got up and do it the next day, and I went there. Got there early enough, and it was a government holiday. So then, so basically, all in short, I got the emergency issued passport. Um, it cost me all but like twenty five bucks and the lunch and stuff that I had and the stipend and everything from staying four nights, living it up at the top of the Marriott, um, and twenty five bucks to my name. And he and the guy calls me, be down. A white van is going to pick you up. This is the last flight out. If you don't make it, if your stuff is not together, you got to find your own way home. And that was it. And I was like, holy crap. I'm about to be stuck with you know 25 bucks to my name in Miami, away from home. Uh, and remember, this is before cell phones. So <laughs> I had no way to call home or anything. So – I showed up, went outside early in the morning, sat on the curb. I was just, oh, my God, please let this go right. Out walks – do you guys remember Penny Lessaboy? Yep. Penny yep. walks out, sees me on the curb, comes over to sit down. Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? What, you know, Are you okay? And, I'm, and I told her the whole story, and she said, look, I'm going to take care of you. You stay next to me. I will get you where you need to go. This is my second or third one, however many she's done. And she took care of me all the way. So I went from Miami to France and back to New York on 25 bucks. Maybe for a you know part two story or something. But you know we landed in France. Took the well, I'll try to get it in. 
We landed in France. We took the uh, the Greyhound bus, whatever it was, on the Autobahn. You know, this bus is doing like 100 miles an hour. And, of course, I think it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, we stop at this Denny's on the side of the road or something, whatever the French Denny's, Denny's is. France? Uh, I, I don't think it was Denny's. Maybe it was Denise. But they were going to buy the bus, everybody on the bus food. So we get in there and we go through this line had this awesome looking pizza and i'm like all right i'll take a pizza i'll take that pizza my first thing i learned in french was uh i think it's pronounced oof well when you order a pizza they crack a raw egg in the middle of the pizza and i'm like what the hell are you doing you just ruined my pizza and i'm like i want that no egg and they're like ah pizza no oof okay (laughs) so and then a friend of mine got uh, a steak and I thought, man, that's an awesome looking steak. Not knowing that they just sear, sear, and serve it to you. You cut in, and and like it moves at you when you cut into oh, it. That's perfect. That's the way I like it. When I used to eat meat, that's the way I used to eat it. Oh man, no, I'm a I'm a medium guy, thin thin red center, but I man, it was it was still moving. <laughs> but uh, we we finished that. We get to this. Did you guys ever? Did you guys bro, uh, both uh, bring out a ship? Yeah, I probably collected your passport at the airport. I was on one of those last flights as well. Oh, really? And yeah, I was one of the last persons to arrive. And so when we landed in Paris, we had to collect everybody's passport. And we had them in these garbage bags, these big garbage bags full of passports. Um, and so we were supposed to work on the train and checking all the passports and getting them organized. The train was so full. We couldn't do anything. So we just got... We beat the buses, obviously, by quite a lot, and we got there late and uh, with garbage bags full of uh, passports. So you remember this village that we pulled into at well, like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, I did, but I actually never went. I remember the villages, but because I was an officer, even a junior officer, we got to stay at a hotel. I didn't have to oh stay. <laughs> yeah. Was this Saint-Nazaire? Were you in yeah. Saint-Nazaire? Yes. Okay. Yes. Saint-Nazaire. Yeah. Did you stay in a little like uh, campsite before? Or did you go directly directly on the ship? No, we stayed at this. All I can all I can relate it to is Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a camp little village with no lights because, like I said, it was two or three o'clock in the morning. We they got out and they gave us you know we had our clothes and it was like I don't know forty degrees, fifty degrees, yeah. and it was cold. It was cold. It was and March. These, these blankets were like wool, like from World War Two, and we literally had our beds were these cots that had the junky-looking blue and white striped beds that were tied up in a roll. Oh my God! Uh, you know who was on the bus with me was uh, David Bentley and and the orchestra. Remember yeah. Remo and David Bentley and and Matt Engelberton or whatever his name I is. Yeah. Um. So David Bentley took charge when we got to the village because he was like, listen, and like he bulldozed right through it. And I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I So we slept fully closed, got <laughs> up, went for like orange juice and toast and to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the best part, uh, we so we get to the ship, right? Uh, we get to the ship. Of course, this, the other stage staff, I started as a – well, 
I was a, I was supposed to be hired as a dancer. I pulled up to the cruise ship with with my regular luggage, and I had a luggage full of like costumes and and you know ballroom costumes and stuff. And I pull up there, and they're all expecting another stage guy. And I pull up, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm a dancer. I'm supposed to be Amita. Do you remember a girl named Gay? Yeah, Gay Hartman. Gay Hartman was supposed yeah. to be my partner. Oh yeah, I did, yeah. I didn't. I, I met her with, once, years and years and years after all of this, but she was sure. supposed to be my ballroom partner. And um, uh, I showed up, and and they were like, oh, um, I guess they didn't tell you, but they decided against that whole thing. They want you to be the stage tech. <laughs> and I was like, wow, crap. Oh no. <laughs> so I was like, with the, okay, uh, Song of America, my first contract, and. We'll save it for another day, but I have a story which I'm still debating whether I should share or not because it little it, it, it might be a little too racy <laughs> or actually kind of gross. So I don't know. That we, not not about her. Yes, about, share yes, it now. No. <laughs> no, no, Brad, she's great. Brad's like, yes, yeah, share that on the next show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, or we could keep that. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. Well, um, we'll have hey, to test it out first. But. Yeah. Uh, so that hey, was Scott. me. Yeah, that was me getting on the cruise ship, uh, hired as a dancer, decided against that, had to send my luggage home after I got back from New York and walked onto the ship. And uh, the rest is history. Helped build the last, you know, the parts of the ship. We went from there, the crossing, you know, no passengers. So we were completely plastered the whole time. But that's also another story of the crossing story was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, we got. I got a few of those between. Well, that was my ship story on how I became to work on. And you know, coincidentally, I'll leave this one more thing. When I got home after all of this, um, I did get a contract and an agreement signed from Delta Steamboat up the Mississippi River. Remember the old paddle boat? Yeah. That was another. They they wanted me really bad apparently or whatever. So, um, but it was either Royal Caribbean on the brand new largest ship in the world or going up and down the Mississippi on the Delta steamboat, whatever it was called. And and mind mind you, that biggest ship in the world held held about twenty four hundred guests and it was about ninety thousand tons or something like that. Yeah. Compared to the ships now that are two hundred and twenty thousand tons. And hold about six thousand guests, five thousand or six thousand yeah. guests, something like that. Insane. Just, that just baffles just, my mind. And you know, when we pulled into New York and we're in that was at uh, uh, West Forty Eighth Street, Forty Ninth Street. Yeah. Um, and we're on deck seven out of what thirteen, fourteen, and you're looking down on the USS Intrepid aircraft carrier, yeah, the, right the museum there. there. And I thought, wow. You know, we're that was large. That was so huge, yeah. and the, and they had to lower the steam packs on the Majesty to fit it under the Verrazano Bridge. Oh yeah, that's you right. That? Yeah, it and was I really thought yeah. there can't be anything bigger. And now you no. can literally fit that one inside of the big ones. Yeah, two of them. Yeah, more than two. That's just crazy. I remember the QE2 was right in front of us too for a while when we were docked in New York, which was another just old classic ship. All right. <laughs> Are we going to call it again? We're all done, we're oh, all done uh, for today. We're we going to call it done? I guess, I guess, this is the yeah. fastest. Uh, gosh, this is, went so fast. I'm used to just well, pulling around know. for an hour, two hours. Brings back memories. See, just telling that story 
brings back so many sidebar memories <laughs> of things that happened yeah. on the crossing, things that happened in New York, things that, I mean, but that village, I'm telling you, that cold village at 3 o'clock in the morning on someone that has never been in anywhere before, I slept like this the entire night. Like, But, but you were I, only there for one night, right? I think it was two or three nights. Two yeah. or three nights. Okay. I was yeah. there like that two makes or three more nights. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I got to the hotel, I found out that I had a roommate at the hotel, which was, I mean, it was fine, but it's somebody I didn't know. And you just get there and all of a sudden you're going into a hotel room with somebody else. And it's like, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, the hotel room was old and those beds were like awful, like springs sticking up. I mean, it yes. was like. The hotel was awful. I mean, the best thing about the hotel was the bar, where we just all would hang out at the bar and just and drink. But the 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 beds were just awful. And we were there, I think, two nights, two or three nights. I don't remember something like that. I think the um, best thing for the hotel, because it was a hotel. It was not. Yes. I'm telling you, in my mind, I'm like, this is Hogan Heroes, except for yeah. real. <laughs> well, I remember a group of pursers had to go check you guys in that late. Um, we yep. got in on the train like at 4 or 5 p.m. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, about 4 or 5 p.m. And then you guys got in way, way, way later on that bus. And because we had just traveled, we didn't have to check people in. But I remember Purser's meeting you all just to make sure who had made it and checked you in and take you to the right places. Mm-hmm. And so all those Purser's had to be up really late uh, to make sure everybody made it. Yeah, my first two, uh, the first two people I met walking on the gangway um, the next morning was uh, Greg Hurd and Todd Gockley, yeah. Bucky's brother and Todd Gockley, and then they took me to uh, Murph, and they razzed me the entire time. <laughs> oh, you're a dancer. Oh, oh, you're a dancer. What, what are you going to dance? You're not going to be dancing now. You're going to be running spotlight. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Brad, you Good job, take Scott. Not with Royal Caribbean. I did mine with uh, Renaissance. Renaissance. Oh. Yeah. I brought yeah. out three. I bought R1, R2, and R4, I think. And how long I can't remember you- now. I can't remember now how exactly what ships I was on. <laughs> <laughs> how long did this you is- stay with Renaissance? Uh, five years. So then you finished in the early 2000s? Oh, uh, 2001 is when I finished. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, 9-11. I signed, off, uh, I signed off the ship in uh, September 12th, oh, 2001. Wow. And you were able to get a flight? No. I spent two. I spent three weeks in Italy with Tanya. And then oh, okay. by, by the time I was trying to get home, uh, Renaissance has gone, had gone bankrupt already. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my painting didn't work. Because I remember I was I was working for Princess when that was when that was going down, and so Princess bought two of the Renaissance ships, and so we had to get all that set up, uh, moving those ships over to Princess, and one became Tahitian Princess, and the other one was I think Pacific Princess. I don't remember, and um, but oh, that was a huge pain. They must have uh, been in French Polynesia. Yeah, but we we took over the ships in Singapore. The two oh. ships were in Singapore, and then we sailed them over. And I remember going into Tahiti for the first time. As you know, Brad, you know the regulations in Tahiti are just insane. 
and what you have to prepare and get the ship and like all this extra documentation and ridiculous visas and work permits and I mean it was just ridiculous. It was such vaccination a pain in cards. My ass. Yeah. Yeah. I I did I did the crossing. So I I brought a ship from Saint Nazaire to Tahiti. All right. Great job, Scott. Good story. So that wraps it up for the three of our my ship stories. I guess that's how we say that. Uh, origin sure, stories. Yeah, origin stories. That's a good yeah. one. My ship origin stories. Uh, be sure and follow us on Facebook. Uh, we have Instagram, don't we, Scott? Do we have Instagram? We have Instagram. We have All right, uh, we're Facebook, gonna have a, soon to have YouTube. We're going to have a YouTube channel. Um, we have an email address if you want to send us uh uh, your story ideas, or if you want to tell a story yourself, we're ready to take on board anybody else that has a story to tell and wants to join us on Skype or whatever, get their story in. So email us at myshipstorypodcast at yahoo.com. I always forget the podcast part. Uh, but anyway, um, and you know, we, maybe we'll get a P.O. box or something where you can send us physical items as well but who knows but until then you may now disembark the podcast <laughs> bye y'all see y'all bye bye